when we got out of uh, that meeting, it was about 10 p.m. You know, it was very clear that bombing was going on and there were all these sounds of, you know, uh, of a war zone. So my friend Benny, who came with me, he looked at me and said, what is this? Now the pastor was so happy this year to say, you know what? People are coming and they not only can drink good water for their bodies, but they are listening to the gospel and I can so easily share good news about the living water with them. Before the war, there were like uh, 12, 15 people in the church and the church for years did not see anyone new coming to faith. And after the war, you know, when I went there, the, the church was packed with people. His wife uh, met the Lord and he didn't mind it, but his life went on until the war started. And he showed me pictures of his house and, you know, the holes in the house and the the bullets that were stuck there. And it was at that moment when he asked himself the question, if I die in this war, what happens to my soul? Hello, and welcome to the In Touch Mission International Podcast, where you get to hear directly from ITMI partners. I'm your host, Summer Kelly. In this episode, I'm chatting with ITMI's Adi and Emma Bond. In this first part, they're mostly talking about Adi's recent trip to the war-torn Donbass region of Ukraine. Adi and Emma build up the church and reach outside of it by ministering to couples and families in Romania. They'll share more about that and why it's such a need in part two of this interview. But in this part, you'll hear Adi mention that some of the people they've discipled in Romania are also ministering alongside them in Ukraine. And I love that because it's just a beautiful blossoming of the fruit of the investment the Bonds partners have made in the kingdom of Jesus in Eastern Europe. So let's get to my conversation with Adi and Emma. Welcome to the ITMI podcast. It's so great to be sitting down to have a conversation with both of you. I'm really excited about this. So are we. Thank you very much. It's yeah, thank to... you, Samuel, for initiating this. Yes, I have this opportunity to do this and to share with you. It's, it's great. Thank you. Yes. So, um, Adi, not too long ago, you went on a mission to the Donbass region of Ukraine. And this was your third trip to that region of Ukraine. And I do want to get into what happened on this specific trip. But first, could you share with us a little bit about what led up to your involvement in Ukraine? Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. Thank you. Um, there were several years ago that I was invited to be on the board of a mission organization in Romania. It was uh, in 2015 when the leader of the organization, the executive director, came from his first trip to Donbass area. So he stopped in Oradia by my office and 
he shared with me what the Lord has shown him and the experience he had. So it was such a powerful uh, testimony of God working in the midst of the war and uh, the challenges there. So uh, it was the day when I asked myself, I said, wow, uh, what, what if the Lord will ever ask me to do it? Now, from that moment, we initiated a few projects, small projects in trying to do a little bit of aid to Ukraine. What was the main purpose of the trip that you just came back from? Actually, I would, I would say there are three, three things that I always look for. Help and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and identify new opportunities for, for ministries and helping there. What led you to the Donbass area of Ukraine? How did you get involved with that part? Vasile Pope is the direct executive director of that mission organization. So um, he told me that uh, he's planning a trip there and uh, if I want to go. So uh, I said, okay, uh, we prayed. Uh, I talked to, to Emma as well. And then I wanted to have somebody from Oradia to come with me. And the person who initially said yes, uh, told me with about a week before that he cannot come anymore. So that's when I launched uh, an invitation to one of our uh, young couple group and one of the men. And I said, would you, would you be interested in coming with me? And he, he said, you know what? Uh, let me see if I can change some of my uh, business itinerary. He was supposed to go uh, outside Romania for a business trip. And then he called me back in the night and said, yes, I'm coming. And uh, that was that was uh, how uh, we uh, ended up in driving to Chernowitz first, and then from there taking a train for about 22 hours uh, to to Donbass area. And we were uh, two from Oradia, myself and Benny, and Vasile from Dej, and then a, a pastor from Chernowitz who went together, the four of us. Adi, can you tell us a little about what it's like to be there? What would we see and feel and smell if we'd been able to physically be there? What's the mood of the general population like? Depends of who, who do you ask, but uh, me personally being there, and not once, but three times now, um, the the closer you get to the war zone, um, the the you know you'll see communities being more affected. Uh, if if it's if you are far away from the war zone, still in the Donbas area, people are almost forgetting there is a war by their border. Uh, so it's an interesting dynamic because once you are in there, you taste and feel and hear and smell the the war around. Uh, and then, of course, people uh, have their own challenges living in those conditions. Many people left the area, especially younger people and young families. Uh, they packed and moved away. Uh, but still, there are people that live there and with their uh, daily challenges. So uh, some of the faces we've seen there are very, um, you know, are very sober, um, you know, sad uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that, that's part of life there. In fact, one, one time uh, we were there, we were left without gas. So actually the only gas pump was in the area, did not have anything for us. So uh, I don't know how uh, the driver managed to get enough 
diesel fuel, but he did find somewhere. I did not even ask where he found it. So the, the life conditions there remind you that it's a daily challenge to live in that area. Yeah, for us in the West, um, we don't actually hear a whole lot about what's going on with Ukraine. So can you, for our listeners, just give a quick little summary of what, what is going on politically in that area that's leading to the, the war situation? I think uh, the listeners will, at least some of them, remember that uh, in 2014, and there was over the all over the the world, the news were uh, talking about the the so-called revolution in uh, Kiev, uh, the Maidan uh, market. It's actually I visited, uh, and I saw all the pictures of the people that died there. So. Uh, it goes back to some of the uh, strong political influences in that region. Um, and uh, for Ukrainians, and this is what I heard from them, they never thought the war will come from the East. So, uh, uh, in fact, my understanding was their army was very, very small, a few thousand soldiers, and they always prepare to face war from the west or south or other parts, not from east, from, from Russia. So because of that, when this happened, when they realized that actually they have a tension within the country and some of the people want to stay with Russia, some want to go with Western Europe, with the uh, European Union and United States, then that division had you know, uh, been so great that... There were some groups of people that started to proclaim autonomy or independence. And that's what happened in the Donbass area. And they were very much linked with Russia and they wanted to stay very close. Now, of course, you, I can say whatever I think I, I understand there. Uh, but one reality that I heard it from several channels and people is that as long as there is a war there... Uh, Ukraine's chance to be accepted in uh, European Union, it's very low because there are some articles in the Constitution of the European Union that no country could be accepted if there is a war around their borders or with a neighbor country. And, uh, and that's, that's my understanding. That's what people from Ukraine from different levels have shared with me. So that's the perspective I have at this point in time. That doesn't mean that is the perfect or the correct one, but this is what I understood from the three years I've been there. Right, yeah, it's certainly a complex a complex thing that we don't want to simplify. I, I definitely would, would, wouldn't want to do that, but just so that we have a little understanding of what, you know, what it was like for you there. Um, I was wondering, uh, so you, you decided, um, okay, I think the Lord's leading me to um, go minister in this, this area where there are bombs dropping and there's war happening. Um, and so, uh, how did Emma react when you proposed this idea of going to minister in a war zone? And maybe, uh, maybe Emma can, can chime in on how that, how that hit you and how that conversation went. Uh, I was just say that, uh, from my side was, she was okay with this, at least from our side. I will let her share her inside voice, uh, what, what, uh, what she felt. Um, honestly, I don't remember feeling like, um, any sort of, you know, serious panic, like, oh my goodness, um, is this shitty go? What will happen? I think 
we had so many people praying for us um, in Romania and outside Romania. Um, so I think all all that really gave me peace. Yes, I, I, I think part of it was I did not really know exactly what was going there other than that the war was still going on. So when Ali came home and showed me some pictures with tanks and bullets and stuff, that sort of mm, <laughs> made me wonder. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and also he shared how on one evening and into the night, the bombs kept dropping from one place to another. They were shooting at each other, these um, Russian separatists and the Ukrainian army. So... Uh, that sort of increased the tension a bit, but I really attributed to prayer and so many people who were supporting us and uh, praying around the clock. So I think that really helped and gave us peace. If I can add just one thing, my first night in my first trip, uh, we had a meeting with uh, a local church and when we got out of uh, that meeting, it was about 10 p.m. You know, it was very clear that bombing was going on and there were all these sounds of, you know, um, of a war zone. So my friend Benny, who came with me, he looked at me and said, what is this? And I said, well, you know, probably uh, the locals will know much better than I do. So let's ask them. So they were very, very kind and said, well, you know, they are shooting now a little bit and stuff like this. Well, we ended up the house of one of the brothers in the church where they graciously prepared the meal for, for all of us. And uh, I didn't realize that we were so close to the front line. It was about half a mile away. And there was just a little forest that was, uh, you know, uh, between the house and the, the front line. And, uh, you know, you watch the locals and if they are relaxed and, you know, then why panic? So uh, we, we finished the meal, we, we prayed together uh, and, and then they, they showed us where we will sleep. So we all went to sleep and I woke up around 5.30, 6 o'clock that morning and it was daylight outside. And I remember Andy, uh, our son, who was uh, here at the school, um, wrote me on, on one of the applications and said, Hi, Dad, how are you? been praying for you. And I responded to him. I said, Andy, wow, uh, thank you for asking. Uh, you know, it's quiet. And I, I don't think, I think God somehow uh, quiet the guns because I didn't hear anything. So I was able to sleep the whole night. And the others woke up and we, I asked the others, did you hear anything? And nobody heard anything. And then the pastor comes and says, how did you sleep? Uh, the local pastor. And we were like, fine, everything. said, I was a bit concerned because this night was worse than the other nights. So, uh, you know, we, we sense how God has given us a deep sleep so we can rest because we're very tired. Uh, so none of us heard the guns, yet the guns were louder than in the previous nights. And that's one way to see how God is really, really working uh, while, while you're responding to his call. So what is the spiritual climate like there? And I realize, you know, you've gone back three times. So maybe what was it like when you first came and has that changed 
at all over the years um, as the conflict continues? One thing that I experienced the first time was that many people, many local people in the church or even outside the church were amazed to see Romanians coming to visit them. For them, that was a very, very interesting thing. In fact, one of them during a meeting said, wow, uh, I never thought that we, we will ever be visited by our Romanian brothers in the midst of our trials. And actually he said at the end, he said, my prayer that one day is that God will raise up the church here so then we can do things similar to this. So they were initially they were amazed to see some of us from Romania coming and visit and helping and be, trying to, to support and encourage them. Uh, the second time we went, they were very encouraged to see us back. And also the fact that we followed up on some of the needs we have identified in our first trip. And we never made promises. I mean, we never said, okay, we'll go and we'll do this. We said, if the Lord allows, we'll try to help in this area. And the second time we went, and when they saw that, that really consolidated uh, more the relationship. And they understood that actually for us it was important because they are part of the kingdom of God, and we are all part of the kingdom of God. This year when I went, uh, you know, it's it's almost like you are part of that community already. Uh, they They treat you as like, oh, sure, I mean you are part of us. It's wonderful to see how this, this especially within the church setting, uh, when it comes to the people outside the church, they always are reminded that the love of Christ, it's poured oftentimes through his own people. Trying to be a blessing for the community, like providing sometimes food, sometimes medicine, providing good water, pure water. That was a blessing for that city, which was cut off from the water company over the border in the separatist region. Now the pastor was so happy this year to say, you know what? People are coming and they not only can drink good water for their bodies, but they are listening to the gospel and I can so easily share good news about the living water with them. So I praise the Lord for such opportunities uh, of, of bringing that relief, bringing that type of uh, opportunity for the local church to carry on the ministry. Yeah, it's really a privilege to be part of projects that mean so, so much to the people who are the recipients of it. And, you know, it's interesting because as you were talking, I, I thought, you know, that's something we don't think about all that often, that for the believers there, something that meant the most was the demonstration of brotherhood that was made just by you showing up. And whether or not you brought, you know, gifts or just showing up demonstrates that brotherhood and that inclusion in the body of Christ. And then they go, oh, I'm not stranded over here in this war zone. I'm, I'm together with the body of Christ around the world and the spirit ties us together. So I, I don't know. I think that's a really cool thing to think about that I hadn't realized with, with getting to go to that area. Yeah. And oftentimes they, they felt like they are so uh, alone, secluded there. But when you, and it's also a way of encouraging them. And I sense that, I felt that, that they've been encouraged uh, and, and so happy to know there are other brothers and sisters who pray for them and who, who feel uh, with them in this period of time. So give us a little bit of an idea of when you're in Ukraine and you can focus on this most recent trip, what are some of the activities that fill your day and what's on your itinerary and what are the things that you're doing while you're there? First of all, it takes some time being on the roads. The closer you get to the front line, the worse the roads are. 
And in fact, you, you feel like there are an infinite number of potholes in those roads. So actually the joke that I heard and I was told there, there was we were on this very wide road, very wide road, and used to be a very good road, but now with the tanks and everything going on it, it's, it's, it was really, really uh, ripped apart. So the driver drove mostly on the left side. And in Europe, as you know, like in the US, you drive on the right side. So, and had to kind of, uh, you know, drive alongside the larger potholes so the, the car doesn't break down there. And the joke was that a police officer, he will know if a driver is drunk, if that person drives straight on that road. Uh, <laughs> because uh, you have to be drunk to drive straight because mm -hmm. it's such a bad road. So, you know, giving this and being there with no AC in the summer, you know, in the winter was, was just fine because the heating system worked well in the car. But uh, in the summer, no heat, no AC. You just have to, you know, use the window and dust comes in and things like this. So, for example, this year we stopped at one uh, checkpoint and we were delayed there for about two hours plus. And it was very hot. It was like almost 100 degrees. But what we tried to focus, we tried to do an itinerary beforehand and uh, try to let people know because our our mission is to connect with local ministries with local churches with local people so we can empower them not just going by ourselves there once we are there we try to do the most in interacting with them uh, uh, and in some places we are able to meet with the church and have a worship time in other places it's just meeting with some people from the church like the pastor and some other people seeing what's there this year we have looked at two new places that we never been to but we got to know the pastors last year because they came to meet us in a different place it was so good to follow up and see the ministries that they share with us initially and then see how how they really care for the church and for the people in the community we've seen some of the ministries that they have for example for people with addictions and people that have no place to sleep they lost everything the community that they create there uh it was really uh, heartbreaking i mean i saw one man that was rescued actually he was sleeping in a tree that was the only thing he he had left probably you heard of this but there are some synthetic drugs that come from russia and they are very cheap very very cheap but they are so dangerous and some of these people are trying anything they can to to numb their pain and ease their lives somehow besides drinking now they get access to this this cheap synthetic drugs and it's devastating them so what this pastor uh was doing was trying to you know find these people because his his testimony was that it's it's a very powerful testimony of somebody who was three times in prison and he was even afraid to go by nearby a church not in the church let alone and God saved him. And now he's pouring his life into identifying people like the one I described and reaching out to them with the gospel and with real help, like giving them a place to sleep and And, and, and also food. just loving on them. He just gives them, Adi says, he gives them these big hugs and he's very encouraging. 
So from there we, we drove, it was pretty late in the night, to another place, uh, to another pastor. And that pastor has a large family, about eight children. You know, he said he did not want to hear that we will try to go and, and rent some rooms in a hotel. He said, you'll sleep all, you'll sleep here. So actually what they did, they, they all got out of their rooms they gave us their rooms to sleep in, so they gathered and stayed in the living room and the, the kitchenette uh, themselves. So it was such a powerful um, way of showing us how grateful they are that we are there and visiting them. And in fact, we were able to help the, this community last year with some funds for their summer camp for children. And he was so, so excited to be able to show to us what they have done with, with those funds and how they were able to reach out to more kids. For example, they used part of the funds to get a tent. And he told Daddy that it was the only tent in all, in all their camp in which water would not be leaking when it rained. And you see, you see the family, you see how together with his wife, they are raising their children. And the next morning he showed us the camp setting and uh, the church. And from there we went to a, a place where we have a young couple that uh, some couples from our group have decided last year to be able to help and sustain financially for their ministry. So that was so encouraging for us, Summer that couples that said, you know what? Couples from Romania. That, that, that we would like to support this family financially. To give them the opportunity to, to serve in a church, which was uh, the story of that church in Mironovsk. It's amazing. Before the war, there were like uh, 12, 15 people in the church. And the church for years did not see anyone new coming to faith. And after the war, you know, when I went there, the, the church was packed with people. You know, sometimes, and I think oftentimes, God will take a situation like a war setting, and uh, when people will see only uh, challenges and will see only uh, pain needs, and destruction, and destruction and pain, God will take those and turn them into opportunities and blessings to the people to receive Christ to to be born again to come to 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 realize that you are a new person in Christ and then grow and develop from there. I've seen uh, many many people and one last year I was asked to help a little bit with uh, some counseling sessions, which of course were done through a translator. A lot of pain and a lot of baggage from the past and. Uh, uh, with areas full of witchcrafts and vices and people find freedom in Christ. It's such an amazing testimony of what God can do in, in people's lives. This morning I was listening to one of my favorite songs by Rich Mullins and he, he said, um, you meet the Lord in the furnace a long time before you meet him in the sky. And it sounds True. like you guys saw that, saw that in reality. <laughs> So how have you been formed by your visits to Ukraine? What are some things or one thing that interacting with those there who, you know, who are in the furnace, you know, that teaches us something special, something that we can't learn any other way often. And so what is your interaction with those people taught you? And uh, in what ways are you different from who you were when you left Romania for Ukraine that first time? 
I would say that first understanding much better what war does to people and communities. I remember my father was uh, fought in the Second World War. And as a child, I would often try to get stories from him from the war. And while he never really liked to speak about the war, he, he told me a few stories. And he always finished with two sentences. One, Adi, I am grateful to God that I came out alive from that war. And second, never wish to be in a war. Now, you don't understand that when you are a kid, but when I went there and I saw the effects and heard the sound, the smell of the war, I I got a much better uh, understanding of what war brings to people and communities. Second, and I already said that, that oftentimes the needs and challenges that come with the situation uh, got the can turn them into opportunity and blessings. And in my first trip there, uh, I would just say that the name of the driver was uh, Vasya. He was actually from the region of Donbass and from the region of Donetsk, which is, has been a very large city over there. His wife uh, met the Lord and he didn't mind it, but his life went on until the war started. And he showed me pictures of his house and, you know, the holes in the house and the, the bullets that were stuck there. And it was at that moment when he asked himself the question, if I die in this war, what happens to my soul? So it was at that moment when he realized that he has to make a decision and he said, God had really challenged me to, to, to look from, from his perspective. He had to leave Donetsk area, so he moved with his family in the Ukraine part uh, where uh, they were safe. But that reminds me that oftentimes God takes those challenges and you know can turn to opportunities and blessings. And then a third thing that I felt my trips brought me or gave me this opportunity to have a greater appreciation for God's kingdom, which spreads beyond our own boundaries. And when I say boundaries, it could be country, could be culture, could be perceptions. And it's so beautiful to see and allow and let yourself be merged into what God does in other parts of, of the world and and is not under your control. Thanks for sharing that. Some really powerful things to think about. Well, that's the end of part one. In part two, Adi and Emma are sharing more about their ministry in Romania, and they get really specific about how much their partner's investment means to them and what it has motivated them to do. So make sure not to miss that. You know what I loved about this is that Adi is sharing stories you can't find anywhere else. If we hear about Ukraine on the news, we aren't hearing about it like this. Adi's returning from the believers in this area with good news for us. God's people are standing strong in their faith and their love is alive. Kind of reminds me of the beginning of Ephesians when Paul says... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
Let us also not stop giving thanks for what God is doing through his people under fire in Ukraine, as well as remembering them in our prayers. Thank you again for joining us, being with us for this episode. We'll see you next time.